Welcome to the Gab and Jules show. Still no Gab Marcotti, still, no. still away. So instead, Nedem is here. And actually, we should rename the show, no? Yeah, yeah. maybe the Jules and Nedem show. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. you take the big chair, I'll take the low chair. Okay, I know how this fair works. enough. I, I love that. Big show today because the Champions League, obviously, this week was crazy. Mm. But like when we say crazy, it was crazy, especially the Liverpool Real Madrid game, which will be our, our main segment, of course. But we will talk about everything else that happened uh, this week. Plus, we'll have loads of, of quick hits. But really, we have to start. Uh, at Onfield, oh, where yes. you were, Nadem, as well. Yes. Uh, for what we've seen, amazing comebacks in recent years, remontadas, yep. call it whatever you want. Uh, but usually they're over, they're over two legs. So the one yep. leg, you know, someone is very good and dominating and big win, and then the second leg, they yep. turn it around. Yep. We've rarely seen, if not, yeah, rarely, rarely, a, in the same game, such a different dynamic no. in Liverpool. On top of the first 15 minutes, 2 nil up, and after that, collapse. Collapse. Like, I think collapse is the best way to describe it. And when you think about the fact that Liverpool were at home, you know, they started that well. And don't get me wrong, it's Real Madrid. But we spoke in the last show, and you said this version of Real Madrid isn't like the old concrete yeah. one. It felt like it was last season. Mm. So I hold my hands up, and, you know, I'd been drinking the Kool-Aid. I was in the stadium. <laughs> I could hear the fans. Everything sounded like it was prosperous. Everything was going to be great. Yeah. I may have sent you a text predicting what the score was going to be yeah. at 2-0. Yeah, maybe you said that. But I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> stop, 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 stop. But the comeback for Real Madrid was amazing. Obviously, there was a mistake in there yeah. for, to make it 2-2. Two, two. It's a great finish for Vinicius to make it 2-1. But then it's just the timing of those goals. That third goal from Real Madrid, it literally took, it felt like it took all the hope out of the stadium. And I think with Liverpool, we're so used to seeing them play the second leg at Anfield, having something to chase, yeah. being in good form. You know, that's a European night at Anfield. But instead, it's like a major collapse. I think most people don't remember the last time Liverpool conceded five goals at home in anything, let alone the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, never, I think, in. Exactly, yeah, I don't, history, I don't think it's happened, think, but. Yeah. Yeah, there was, so, there was so much to it. And I think as we continue to talk about it, I think we'll be able to get into some of the details as to why that happened. Yeah. Because there were a few masterful performances Definitely. and a few horror shows as well, I think. Yeah, and I think all the flaws that we've seen in the Premier League this season too often were exposed by a, a wonderful team that really, as we said, yeah. on Monday as well, comes alive yeah. in those games in the Champions League, especially when they're under pressure. Because to come to Real Madrid now, and we can talk about Madrid as... 37, Karim at 35, all of that. But for you in the stadium, probably, and suddenly for us watching on television, it felt that it just never panicked, even yeah. that two goals down. Yeah. It felt almost like the leading that team said, you know what, we've been there before, let's do our thing, and then we're going to do what we do. And that's yeah. exactly what happened. Yeah, that's that's true. I think they sort of anticipate the pressure that would come from Liverpool at the start. They, they played through a lot of it, yeah. they, they did, but then obviously they conceded the first goal. And then it's a mistake for the second goal. And I think the mentality around a mistake can be key because for some clubs, they sort of feel down and sorry for themselves. But when it's a mistake, you know that mistakes are unlikely to happen again. Yeah. So if you keep doing things the right way, you're in with a chance. And I think the importance of them scoring the next goal was going to be key. But on the sideline, Ancelotti was just standing there at 0-0 the same way it was at 1-0 down, 2-0 down. 2-1, 3-2, uh, 5-2, whatever. He was just so it's, relaxed and so chilled crazy, out. I know those players panics, but it's because they've done it before. Yeah. And done it so many times before as well. I think it was a very, very impressive performance looking at it. I think the change of Alaba coming off and Natural coming on was yeah. a big thing as well. Instead of moving Kamavinga, exactly. Alaba, which he could have done. Exactly. And then some of the players really grew into the game. And yeah. by the t towards the end, it was almost like showboating. They were just playing little triangles around Liverpool players and they couldn't even but make You know what tackles. amazed me is that 
this, so they're a team and they play well as a team but there's, there's nothing special about, about what Ancelotti does tactically yeah. I mean there was a switch Valverde after I think the 55th minute went to the left side of the midfield three mm-hmm. because that was Liverpool, that's Liverpool's strength on that right with Trent and, and Salah and, and Henderson just to make sure that that was secured and safe and Modric could go on the right where yeah. he would have less work to do defensively but there's nothing like revolutionary no. or anything but, but, but because individually they're all so good I think they I think they know that within a let's say like a normal tactical structure which which it is it's a 433 but it's pretty yeah pretty normal really yeah. then they've got one they've got a bit of freedom to do whatever they want yeah and the movement and everything because they're also intelligent but they're just also good individually yeah and I just think like it's the, the so the way some of them were like receiving passes and moving it along the decision making understanding when to switch when to keep it to the yeah. same side not panicking not just kicking it away you know it was amazing but I think the thing that's getting slept on the most I thought in that game Liverpool were very passive after the first goal was scored say finishes Junior finds half a yard yeah that's a great finish they could also could defend it maybe a little bit better definitely there's obviously the mistake for the second but Who's got Militao for the third? How do the other goals get scored? Whereas for Real Madrid, every time Liverpool came into their area, there were bodies right there getting in people's faces. There was aggression from Militao, from Rudiger, from all those other players around it. But for Liverpool, as you saw with the, I think the Benzema's first goal, they just played a one-two and nobody's near anybody at all. That didn't happen with Real Madrid the yeah. whole night. So I think the the great stuff they did in terms of attack and having the fluidity to move and sort of Modric being masterful, yeah, yeah. that's one thing. But Liverpool didn't look dangerous and it's because of the way that they defended. Yeah. It was spectacular. I think Courtois ended up playing well. The back four was incredible come the end of it. Mm. And it's just like a boring thing to say, but that level of aggression is what Liverpool need if they want to get the season back on track. Because otherwise yeah, they'll be punished because yeah. no way should they be conceding five goals at home yeah. in a game? It's 11 yeah, versus 11. Sure. Uh, if you're half-time, okay, it's 2-2, and if you're Liverpool, you're disappointed because you were 2-0 up. Mm-hmm. Um, at 2-1, after the Vinicius goal, there's the Henderson, Salah, maybe a chance for 3-1. Yeah, yeah. But it's 2-2. It, it, it could have been better. You could have gone up, like gone back at 2-1 or 2-0 up, maybe. But it's still not the end of the world, right? If yeah. you're a Liverpool player, you go back to the dressing room, what kind of mindset do you think you're in? What, what kind of message do you expect from Klopp? Um, I think at 2-2 he won't make a big deal of the Allison mistake because Allison would have made a big deal of it himself. Yeah, yeah. Like He knows that he's made it so you can't really pile on that one too much but I think Vinicius scored I think he also had another shot which Allison had to save. Yeah, same one. Very similar, yeah, yeah. very similar to mm. that but again they started so well they put Madrid very much on the back foot. It didn't necessarily like make Madrid too uncomfortable but you could see that there's something there should they try and be more aggressive. Yeah. So I think at 2-2, you're a bit disappointed, but you're focused to go and try and do it again. Mm-hmm. Start the second half the way you started. So the same first. intensity that the first 15 so minutes. So you'd yeah. say demand the same, if not more. Go out and start strong. Go and get in their faces again. Get yeah. the crowd on board, because that's the whole point of playing at home. If you give the crowd something to get behind, then it makes it a harder occasion for the opposition. So that's the mentality. Let's go and do it right, 100%, max effort. Five minutes later, what was it? Three two to uh, yeah. to Real. But how can you consider a goal like this straight oh, after the break? My God. Because for the for the listeners who don't know, before the game on the on the big boards, yeah. you will have you will have all the uh, set pieces set up. So zonal marking, so so and so plays. They're, I guess they they're ready for it, right? Yeah, that's what you're. You know who yeah. you're marking before yeah. the free kick. By the way, Gomez, please don't give away 
stupid free kicks like that. Yeah, it's it's a bad free kick to concede that early. And the thing is, he thought he won it as well. But again, Vinicius did very well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that wide free kick, there's always a point with corners and wide free kicks where you go from a zone to man marking. But it's about deciding where that point is. Okay. So they decided they were going to continue with zonal marking, but it doesn't suit that moment because from where Modric can see, he can see like seven Liverpool players just in a line. On the line, yeah, yeah. Just in in a line. So most of those guys are pointless, but the person who's not pointless is the one who's got Militao, who I think was Alexander Arnold. Yeah. And in that moment, and again, why? Why would you? Why would you? Because ask him it, to that's, mark? Cause that's what he would have been doing if it was a corner as a zone, so it's less dangerous. But now the danger should be the thought of danger should be higher because yeah. it's closer. Yeah. But this is one thing which we're going to talk about it, which is about leadership and sensing how Definitely. dangerous a moment is. Definitely. Because it's all well and good to say, right, everybody, get in your positions. But now the human needs, human instinct needs to kick in yeah. and try and figure out what's going to happen next. You know, it's not just like if if the manager says we're going to line up as a four and a three and so on and so forth. Like formations, they're great on paper till you play the game and there's opposition there, so you have to move. Yeah. Like figure it out. Like how many people are in the box? Oh, it's three people in the box. Who's got them? So it's Trent, this guy, that guy, that guy. Yeah, where's where, the danger? Who yeah, like, where can the ball go? Can he score against Allison on this near side? Probably not. So can we get our line a bit higher? Can somebody just step out the zone and go and mark someone? Can we go and like fill the areas that really matter? But I'm amazed a team like Liverpool, someone like Van Dijk doesn't even think like that. So what, they had a brain freeze and they... Complete brain freeze, a lot of them. The lot of them because it only takes one person to acknowledge danger to be able to change the impact of any particular like moment. Only it would take one person standing higher, but then instead a free header, that's the free header the six, six yards yard six yards out. That's ridiculous. The, that's with so much so many bodies around. But that's what Liverpool were thought after they conceded the first two goals. They were passive. There were yeah. people. There were bodies around but they weren't doing anything. And I think as they look back at that goal, it's a horror show because they will all know themselves, those players, that if the man wasn't yours, you could tell someone to deal with it. And if he could be yours, like Alexander Arnold could have run with him. Yeah. Van Dijk could have stepped forward. Other yeah. centre-backs could have stepped forward. Someone could have blocked the line so that Modric had nowhere to play it to. Like, make Modric's delivery into the box more predictable and less dangerous by blocking the areas which he could play it into. Yeah, so then it. instead... Modric puts a ball into the box, which shouldn't be a good ball. Yeah. That should be cleared by one, two, three Liverpool players. But then instead, as I say, it's almost like they're relying upon instruction at this moment in time instead of using their instincts. So they're well, all on the right. Because they've lost confidence, you think? Or because Possibly. Because they must have had that instinct before. You, you haven't yeah. been such a great team. Yeah, but just it's weird because they, they're historically, over the last few years, they don't concede that many goals. So to concede five at home and some of the goals in the way that they did. Yeah. Like, it's you should never if if it's literally seven versus three in the box. It's there's crazy. no way a goal should be scored. Yeah. But some of those players may think, well, I was standing in the right spot, so I did nothing wrong. But in totality, they all did something wrong because somebody was allowed to be free and score in there. I mean, what's what I think certainly to me what felt very obvious is the lack of leadership. Mm. And in that sense, I'm very disappointed with the Henderson. Yeah. With the Van Dyke. Yeah. With maybe Alisson to some extent Robo maybe even Klopp looked to me completely like far too quiet on the touchline after the third goal when it's three, you're 3-2 three down you could have scored a third one 3-3 three, three, there's no away goals anymore mm. it's, you basically go to Madrid nil-nil and anything is possible then yeah. and yet I didn't see any reaction I didn't see anybody shouting I didn't see anything and and I don't know and he felt that the stadium just like yeah it did, the stadium did well I think after the fourth one was when it got really quiet. All right. 
before that, in fairness, they'd been singing, and then come the end, they were singing. They clapped the fans, they clapped the players off, but they also clapped the Real Madrid players off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. They were clapping for Benzema, and Modric, because yeah, yeah, they they understood what they just did to their team. But I think for Klopp, he's in an interesting situation because he can prepare his team for a game, but as he watches them out on the field, he's not relying on them to actually just do the job itself. And picture this: you've worked on set pieces all week or whatever. And then you see that goal go in to make it 3-2. It's deflating, yeah. Yeah, and you're looking like, in that moment, what more could he have done? He's literally set them up to give them the chance yeah, to no, now no, be no. creative. But then the stuff after that, in terms of trying to G up the players and so on, I think they were trying to do it. But again, this is the thing about confidence within football. The moment there's even the slightest doubt in your mind, the easiest thing to do is to take a step back. But when you take a step back, all of a sudden... Camavinga, Modric, Valverde, they move the ball how they yeah, want. True. Benzema moves it how he wants. Is this is the wrong team to play against no. when when the scenario is like that. Just, if there's any doubt in your mind against a team like this, yeah, then this is play. this is what happens. Yeah. And you know, if they went toe to toe with them and they're feeling confident, it could have been a better game, maybe Madrid would have still won. But all of a sudden, you're seeing those little triangles, then Sabayas comes on, little triangles here, little triangles yeah. there. They're moving it this way, moving it that way, Benzema's come in. And all the while you know that if you decide to overcommit and go for it, Vinicius Jr. hasn't come back. He's waiting on the halfway line. And if he's up there, that means and Benzema's around. Yeah. And then you get and moments then, like you did for the fifth goal. It's crazy. And I think, I just, and we said it last year, I remember, because they did it last season against City and against Chelsea and against PSG and all of that. They just smell blood, I think. And yeah. they know exactly. And that's why this team amazes me, because it's, this is not the greatest team in European football history. No. No. It's not. No. But they still have something special that I don't think we've ever seen with anybody else before. That sort of calmness, never kind of panicking mode, and the ability of just punishing any every little mistake that you would make, yeah. and having a bit of luck because the fourth goal is—I don't think Karim's shot is even on target. No. And no, then Gomez, not. who's had a shock—I mean, yeah. a shocker. And sorry, Joker, the other day I said you were a bad player, and I stand by it. But. And so that you know that goes that goes for Real Madrid when when it really should not have been a goal. Yeah, that, that's that's good fortune, but you still need to be able to take the shot for it to happen. Yeah, and for he, sure. He and took, the movement he, before, as you said, and he took an double. uncontested. Yeah, so they did a I think it was a one-two around Fabinho. Yeah, and then Benzema's having a free shot inside the eighteen-yard box. Like these are things that should never happen. So the luck has gone against Liverpool, but they could have maybe had better luck if they were more aggressive with how they tried to defend yeah, 100%. it. Yeah, hundred percent. Do you, know you think I mean? physically they just could not do more than? What they did Liverpool in terms of the intensity, what they want. I still think that Cody Gabko doesn't know how to press. I think that he's he's got he's willing to do, and I think he's got he's got that energy. And he said, "Yeah, yeah I'm happy. Just tell me, you want me to go and run, and I can run." But running and pressing is two are two very different yeah. things. And yeah. at times he looked like he was going to go and put pressure, but he didn't never looked behind to see where the angle of the pass would be. Yeah. So too often he would go and and sprint towards. Militao, who just had an easy ball to put to Camavinga because but, he didn't but, do it right. But at that point, though, you'd hope, like, pressing is key when you've got information behind you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if, if he's going and he's leaving something open, the person behind him should tell him not to go. Yeah, You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. There's that sense of, it's little bits of the chain there in terms of communication that can make a big difference. And when they go and press, because it's Real Madrid again, there's just this fear when Vinicius Jr. is standing on the halfway line. Is Trent Alexander-Arnold going to, going to go and support a Salah press behind him? Or is he going to be thinking, well, if this goes over my head, yeah. then we're finished. And that's something that Madrid have and certain other yeah. teams have where no matter how aggressive you want to be, there's always an element of risk. Definitely. And when things aren't going your way, 
you then decide to go against that risk and say, well, we'll be more conservative. But then that allows other players to then start controlling the midfield. You yeah. know what I mean? Because when you have both, the threat of Vini and yeah. Benzema, I guess, on the counter, yeah. and Modric, who is press resistant, so you can yeah. press him, but he won't lose it's the irrelevant, ball. irrelevant, yeah. Then, which leads us nicely, well done, no, to you. the midfield, mm. because you mentioned, you know, if you're... Um, a forward trying to press, you need communication yeah. from and information from behind. If you're a defender like you were, yeah. you need the relationship between your defense and your midfield and yeah. who's protecting you in a way, who's in front of you, who's going to help you and not help you, is also very important. Have Liverpool been so average this season because their midfield is just not good enough anymore? And certainly in that game, did they also lose that game because they were outplayed by the Real Madrid midfield? I think, I think come the end, they were very much outplayed by the Madrid midfield. But I think a lot of teams would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know not, I mean? yeah, yeah. In that, itself, like, it's not a Yeah, that's the thing. If the, if the bar of success is like Real Madrid midfield when they're in full flight and winning, like, you know, yeah. like Camavinga, Valverde, and players like this, they played well, but they obviously they got better as they were winning as well. Yeah, yeah, for you sure. You know what I mean? Front, front running so much yeah. easier than, you know, to be chasing. Um, but I think from a midfield standpoint, I personally didn't think the balance was there with uh, Henderson, Bacetic, and Fabinho. No, I agree. It doesn't quite feel for me like attacking enough I think um, defensively I think it can be okay but how good is the press Fabinho if he's going to be playing in the six he knows that he can't overcommit. Yeah, because Benzema's the, is like the falsest of false nines at times mm. you know he made some great runs in behind as well which I saw yeah. but when he's drifting into the space behind you you kind of want to take a step back so then you're leaving the job for the others like is Modric Valverde in Camavinga versus Henderson and Bacetic, an 18-year-old. Yeah. That's not going to go too well. And then I think as I look at the season overall, I don't know how many games where they've been completely outplayed in midfield because, you know, the Premier League on a week-to-week basis doesn't pose some of the, like, best midfield threes you've ever seen. Like, the good players. Maybe, to a certain extent, some might be outworked, but we don't know what the data is. Yeah. But again, some of it's just to do with, like, just... Like, it, it's, so, it's so hard to quantify, but, like, confidence and belief in something... If you know you're going to go to try and press and you'll be beaten, you won't go and press. Yeah. But that means that the other team will have the game more of how they want. You know, like if you were, say, you were coaching a side and you tried to teach them this press and every time they did it, they were beaten in the press, you'd be like, you should probably stop pressing. Yeah, yeah, but then, 100%. But then that plays into the hands of the opposition. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. and what, what would you say Liverpool's best midfield three is? When everybody's fit. Yes. As you know, I'm not the biggest of Henderson's fans. Yeah. Uh, I will have Fabinho because I think Fabinho hasn't been good because o- o- around him players haven't been good. Yeah. If Thiago is fit, Thiago has to play. Yeah. And then the third one, I, I've always thought that Naby Keita could have a role to play, but clearly, clearly not. Mm. So I, I think, but but I think there's a problem that it's not just now who's available, who's not, who could be good. It's a problem that the, the problem for me is that they haven't addressed the situation from a midfield point of view. Mm. I, th- I think the last midfielder they signed was Alex Chamberlain, something like that, five years ago, something ridiculous. I mean, how can you be Liverpool and not have thought in the last four years, let's say, yeah. that that midfield, at some point, especially after losing Wijnaldum, needed something more? you say more. this, but this is, there's an element of recency bias to this because we go back one year, one calendar year, and they could have won four trophies. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. With that same midfield. Like, I know age is a thing, but how much is it a thing to the point where you literally fall off a cliff that much? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think it's the... Yeah, no, no, no you're right. You're right. 
and I do, listen, I don't, I don't want to be right about this. You know, I'm a, I'm a city guy and whatever. Yeah, but, but there's, there's, there's just, there's, I don't, I don't know what it is. And interestingly, I think as every game passes with results like this, I don't think Klopp knows what it is because he'll train his team to play in a certain way, yeah. whether it's physical, mental, and so on and so forth. But now you're battling whereby maybe your players don't have the same confidence that they did. But also, the thing about football, your confidence, if it drops down 10%, that 10% goes to the opposition because now they'll believe that they can beat you. And when teams believe they can beat you, the yeah. showing that they put on against you is something which you wouldn't expect usually when you're in the ascendancy. Mm. Do you know what I'm, yeah, you know what I'm coming from? Personally, and especially, yeah. I think, with Real Madrid and this sort of midfield battle that... Wasn't it was barely a battle come the end of yeah, it. Yeah, Liverpool maybe won for the first 15 minutes because they put Camavinga under pressure. Uh, they put Modric under pressure and, mm. and that worked. And we were, you and I were wondering about Kamavinga. I said, okay, yeah. how is he going to respond to this? And he did really well. And we, we talked about Valverde and the switch with Modric to just make them even more yeah. solid defensively. I mean, Modric is 37. Alleged, allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Because I think they cooked his passport. He's actually like <laughs> 32. Yeah. But, you know, he wanted just to be older at school for the girls. But like, I mean... It felt even if you think the Liverpool midfield was not good. Yeah, we don't have to talk about that. But it was like it was a man against kids. For for me personally, and this is not me coming as like a big medalista or anything like that. But it felt like a privilege to watch him. Oh yeah, of course. Because the way he was playing was different to how anyone else plays. His understanding of the game, the movements, the the little touches to manipulate the ball. You know, the people who control the ball and there are people who manipulate it. He manipulates it. Yeah. Every touch is with intent. The outside of his foot, the inside of his foot, the sight for the passes, knowing when to switch, when to go short, when to go long, when to dictate the tempo spaces to find yourself in. Like it was it was unbelievable. And to add to it, so the fifth goal comes from him stealing the ball from Fabinho yeah. and then running away from Bacetic, an eighteen year old. He's young enough to be his son. Yeah. You know. And you could say, Oh well, you know, it's a mistake, it's this, that and the other, but it's the understanding of how to manage the game. A player of that ability, with that level of experience is like at times borderline unplayable. Mm. You can try and make it as hard yeah, for them no, as you completely. can, but they're still like, he's, he's different tier. He's different tier. But then I think, I guess, he's a Ballon d'Or winner. So yeah, even at different. 37, this is, you know, he's, Say, he's like on Benz, that level anyway. Benzema as well. And you know, this is, so this is the counter argument. When some people say Liverpool's midfield's aging and this, that and the other year, I think it was seven of the top 10 contenders for the Ballon d'Or were all above the age of 30. Yeah. So we can say that if we say that this midfield's too old, but then all these players who are great are all, are all older. Yeah. Like, how does that balance out? Because just because you're older doesn't mean you can't have impact. Like Benzema, as you said, is 35 years of age. Yeah. A few years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, he's washed. Like you say, a 35-year-old, yeah, yeah. get him out. This is the age you get the pension in England, and he's just won the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> just think, just think about that from from that perspective. And not not every player can last no. as long as Modric and Benzema no. and still have that level. Yeah. No, but the, the level though, I think... Well, you tell me, was that Benzema's best ever season last season? Uh, yeah. So, he, season. So, he, so he's gotten better. And the thing about getting better, it comes uh, with You experience. see, I don't think so. You don't think so? So what, you mean this season compared to last season? No, 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 no last, last season, yeah, last yeah, season. Yeah. That's the thing, it's, ex it's experience. Yeah. Because even yeah, though yeah. physically you might not be what you were in your 20s, now you really understand how to control the game. Yeah. Like. Bacetic in that game, he lost the ball for the just before the Allison mistake. Yeah, he did something really good, it, yeah. and then he tried to do yeah. something else, yeah. which was fancy. And then they were sleeping as well. By the way, I mean, I got, come on, just nah, please. You just hey. wear studs, come on, I just know. put studs, just pop studs on. But those that little mistake there, Modric wouldn't make. 
Yeah, he'd win the ball back. Then he'd know the decision. But to then make maybe again, away. maybe Modric at 18 would have made you know played yeah, for Dinamo Zagreb. percent, 100%. Again, so that's why I think for a Liverpool midfield, if people say it's aging, well, it should be more experienced and should be able to understand yeah. how to win a midfield battle. And maybe if you go up against younger people, they might have the legs on you. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it should be able to just dominate you at all. Because in the way football works, say if we played football now and we played against a younger group of people, I'd always back the older ones to win because they know how to win. The young ones have yeah. the ability to like play well, yeah. but can they win? Yeah, they yeah. didn't know what it yeah, takes, yeah. you know the what I mean? They'll look yourself, you finished. And also, my question to you, if you were Jurgen Klopp now, how would you set up Liverpool to go to the Bernabeu three goals down? I mean, we, let, let me just talk about Benzema before we okay, before yeah. we address the second leg and club. Just because on 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 Benz, and as you know, I'm it's alright when you can call him Benz. It's yeah, boys, I mean, you he's know my me. guy. You know, like he reposts my Instagram <laughs> stories. You know, he's my, he's my bro. I was hating when I saw that. I was hating. Right, like, I was hating. Yeah, it's I was like hating. you know, he's my guy. We we we're good friends, so I will always be biased. And but it's fine if you don't want, you could just not listen for the next. 90 seconds and stuff. I just think, again, he's not fully fit. Yeah. Because he hasn't really been fit this season. Yeah. He didn't play at the weekend. He's, he's now in really good form. He's called 12 in 12 now, including that brace. I just think that for him to keep scoring those very important goals in the Champions League, that's, I think, um, he's on 12 goals in the last eight knockout stages games of the Champions League. So, like, it's not bad. he had not scored in the group stages. Yeah. And but, but people were like, oh, he hasn't scored. And he was like, he was like, come on, it's coming. I know it's coming. And, and then he came at the right time again. You know, he scored in 18 consecutive Champions League campaigns. Only him and Messi have scored yeah. at least one goal in the last 18 years in the Champions League. It's just remarkable. And I think, and I said to him, like, I mean, there's a point where it, would, it can't continue like that. I mean, I don't know. I wish, what? because there would be a point where, as a genius <clears> as he is, and I really think that, you know, he's, he's, he's a genius in terms of football, mm. that looking after his body so well like he did in the last five to six years, really. Because he, even now he says like, you know, I wish I understood earlier. And maybe it was the same for you in your career. Yeah, 100%, yeah. About all the invisible work that I should yeah. have done. Even if I'd done it at 20 instead of starting at 28. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why I ate, yeah. how much I slept in the day and in the night. You know, all the recovery work, all the gym work, all, anyway, all of that. He said, I'll be even better now than yeah. what I am. And I'm like, this is incredible. And I was just so happy for him to, you know, to have that kind of impact. So me. what's the saying? Kareem the... Kareem the dream! <laughs> that's right, that's right, that's right. Right, second leg. They can't... Liverpool... I mean, anything... You're not a stop now. You're Liverpool manager, so don't be talking all negative. You're Liverpool yeah, manager. Okay. What do you say? How's the setup? So, and what do you say to your so team? I've got my... I know I don't have glasses anymore. Uh, yeah, got, of course, yeah, yeah, I did my uh, eye operation. Um... I said to them the usual cliche, if we score early, anything is possible. But you don't believe it? I don't believe it. I d right now, and sorry Liverpool fans, I don't believe that anybody in that dressing room believes that they can do it. Okay. I really don't. So, that, so you don't think they can think in their minds they can win by three? No. So take, that's just you can't rattle. Well. You can't rattle this Real Madrid team. You can't. Champions League final, they know too well Liverpool, that when you think they're on the ropes, when you think... You still can't score against them and then they score a goal and they win the Champions League final. They can't be rattled. So what, you're going to score one at the Bernabeu and they're going to still be like, we're going to beat you 3-1 and they, they, they have that in them. So I think having that gap to bridge against Real Madrid 
even more at the Bernabeu is impossible. If Liverpool had won 2-1, for example, mm. you could say, okay, they, they will have to attack, it, it would be different. Now, when you have to go and chase the game mm. and try to rattle them to, to make that ground back, I think it's impossible. Do you think it would have been the same if it finished 5-3? Because in the stadium, it felt like it was really important for them to get a go to get another goal. It really did. Even though you know the task is still very very difficult, a two goal deficit just feels just far different. Yeah, to a I three. think psychologically you're right. Three feels like away from home. Yeah, and I was expecting for, again it's because I'm surrounded by fifty thousand Liverpool fans, but I was expecting them to score and for there to be a big celebration. Yeah, because like it felt like there was something there, and I think even though it was a terrible result, if they would have scored that last goal. There's a, just a just a slight bit of doubt yeah, that could maybe. exist. But would you? So is what you're saying then? You just change the whole team. If you don't believe they can win, then why send out the strongest team? Not the strongest team, but probably make because you don't want to be humiliated either. You've already been. This is for me. This is a humiliation. Yeah, you lose five to at home. Yeah. It's the worst ever defeat you had in Europe. Yeah, it's just 100%. like you were two 0 up. Mm -hmm. The whole, like, literally, the whole world was watching, and then that happened. Yeah, you can't be humiliated a second time in the space of three weeks. So you you just try you go there and make your team and your fans proud. Maybe you win one nil, but to come back and qualify, which you'd have to either win by three and go to pens, yeah, or win by four, which like come on. And that is why Julian Laurent is not a manager. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what would be your message? What would be my message? Club said it's over anyway, and he might not he, say he that. He said that. Yeah, yeah, he won't say that to the player. To be fair, if he thinks it's over, then he'll make changes for the second game. He'll make lots of changes for the second game. Yeah. Because if he sends out the strongest team, he doesn't believe it's over. Because otherwise, it's a waste. It's a wasted fixture, is it not? Yeah, yeah. So I think um, for that, you know what Real Madrid do. You know what the occasion is going to be like. And if you genuinely believe you're going to win, then just go for it. Because I think for me, the idea of embarrassment doesn't matter when you're already arriving there embarrassed. If the game is more or less done in the minds of 90% of people. Whether it finishes 5-2 again or you win 1-0, whatever, like, just try and win a game of football. Mm. Gather it as a good experience for the players because say if they play well at the Bernabeu, who's to say they can't play well between then and the end of the season? Yeah, the true, 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 yeah. You know? So I think you have to go there in an attempt to win. And if you win yeah. enough to, say, win a tie, great. But I wouldn't necessarily be thinking, oh, this is all said and done because the, that game... So I think they can win matter. there. They yeah. can go and win their 1-0 or 2-1 maybe. But to qualify, I don't think they're capable of qualifying. Yeah, how about if Liverpool were 2-0 up with 10 minutes to go? Uh, again, I don't think this... It's because you're a Liverpool hater, that's why. No, I'm not. No, I would love Liverpool to go through. Listen, for me, you're, the more English lie. clubs progress... How can Benzema be a boy and you hope for Liverpool to go through? Because I want English clubs to do well. I want English clubs to do well. You know, it's good for me if English clubs do well. It's good for it's good for you. It's good for us. Well, yeah, I suppose you're right. But you know, I'm also very interested in is the impact of that that that, that humiliation can have. So, is the Madrid derby from for for Real Madrid yeah. against Atletico Madrid? <laughs> Karim was saying that if you thought that maybe on the flight home to Madrid from Liverpool, you know, they were like super happy because they were all asleep and they already had moved on. You know, it was a 5-2 yeah, win. Yeah, business, business just trip. Exactly, they just inflicted Liverpool, their worst ever <laughs> defeat in Europe, and yet it looked like they just played a friendly somewhere in Asia before yeah. the season fight. It was ridiculous. Yeah. But like, I want to see what kind of impact that win will have on their derby against Atletico. Mm. And Liverpool, they go away on Saturday night at Palace, mm. where, you know, the crowd is hostile, where, and where you will have to show some sort of response because if you're not good again, 
Told you, man. Everyone now, from the moment you play badly and it's televised and everybody sees it, everyone loses a bit of respect that they had for you. Mm. So Liverpool going down to Palace this season is very different to what it was last season yeah. or the season before. And Palace themselves, they need some results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll yeah. think, go and get in their faces and see how they react. Yeah. You know, even if you were down to them, have belief because we've seen that they can people can come back at them. Yes, we don't have Modric or Benzema or Vinicius. But we have this crowd yeah. and we can make them uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. And that's going to be the goal for exactly. every team between now and season when they play against us. A humongous game, yeah, for sure. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right enough, Liverpool and Real Madrid, Nez. What about some quickets? Allez, let's go, let's, let's go. Let's go. Manchester City and RB Leipzig finished their first leg tie with a draw in Germany. What, what did you make of it? Um, I think a more realistic depiction of the game was the second half. I thought the first half, the fact that City had like 75% possession, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't turn the ball RB over. RB Leipzig were still in the dressing room. Yeah, RB, they were like, they were there, but I only knew they were there because I could hear the fans. Yeah. You know, the, the players themselves, that was a very, very weird showing. Yeah. But... You know, they reacted in the way you'd expect them to. There's no way you can put out two halves of football like that. So they came forward a lot more in the uh, in the second half as the way teams should be when they're at home, especially in the knockout game. Sorry, in the first leg of a game yeah. like that. And that was better. I think City made a few more unforced errors in the second half. But, you know, a 1-1 draw away from home isn't the worst result ever because, you know, a lot of people don't know much about Leipzig and that's perfectly fair because they're on track mm. Bundesliga. But when we talk about three teams who were, I think, level on points at the top in Union, Bayern and Dortmund, yeah. um, uh, Leipzig are four points off it as well. Yeah, they're just behind, yeah. So, they're, so they are a good side, they a very really good, good side. side. That's that what Guardiola said. He said, don't you, did you really expect us to come and win 5-0 here? Yeah. Well, yes, they did. And that's the problem. That's, that should not be the That's case. the problem. And I think some of that comes from people's overestimation of teams like City and underestimation of any team outside of England you know the belief is you should just travel around Europe and dominate everyone yeah, but as we'll right. talk about later Doesn't not every English team has their way in Europe no, do they so definitely. but anyway Jules a lot of City fans are not happy with two decisions from the referee allowing the Guardiola goal yeah. and not giving a City penalty right at the end do you agree? Yeah I think so I mean for me the Guardiola goal should never have stood really? I, I don't understand Like, I, I think he's a, he's, he's, he jumps earlier than Ruben Diaz yeah but then he stays in the air as long as Michael Jordan because <laughs> because at some point he's just like you know yeah, clearly pushes yeah. and and you know maybe he would have won the header regardless I don't know but I don't I think he hits the ball where he does because he's good pushed point. himself up yes if he point. doesn't push himself up I don't think he hits the ball as well as he did and I'm mm. not sure the ball goes in the way it is that's a good point that's a good point because I saw it and I saw his hands on his shoulders 
but like I've also depends which league you're in because say when I've played in the championship yeah, yeah, that's yeah. five times a game <laughs> <laughs> literally it's the ball's going to the back post you're in trouble but then also Edison got caught underneath the ball yeah. and in that moment Diaz did as well and I think Vardyol he jumped early but yeah he did stay up in the air for just that God, fraction too long it was literally long. MJ like, like, we, 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 was like we're not all like specialists in physics but something feels a little bit off there <laughs> It but, was. but the penalty though so I thought they couldn't give it because the final whistle had gone no remember but, the Man United Brighton game for exactly, example or other, exactly. other cases like I, that so when I saw the replay all of a sudden I was like oh I guess that, I thought that was a penalty what did you think yeah it's like another sport it's like playing volleyball I think it's Henrich yeah. and maybe the, the goal comes it looks like he's scared of the ball and it goes like that but he's clearly yeah. he hits his two arms so why, why don't you think they gave it I don't know apparently VAR didn't even check really yeah that's what Peter Walton who's the referee on BT Sports said he has a screen that is linked to the VR uh, signalization if you were like you know mm -hmm. uh, and he said that it was not checked hmm. so either they missed it either there's another angle where he hits the the, the shoulder, shoulder as well as the arm I don't know but from the angle that we saw this looks like a it looked like he's you know playing handball or something yeah. like that I just and I think Pep was asked at the end and he said I, I need to see it again which I'm not sure is true because I think he knew very much but he said but we know we know what happened as if like we know that those are not given to us I know in Champions League which <laughs> one of my friends he's like a big City fan and United hater yeah. and he mentioned how it could have been given after the whistle and I was like no I'm not sure it can so then when I looked online to see it and it was Man United at Old Trafford <laughs> I didn't even mention that's where it was but I said ah oh, sorry yeah I was wrong I was wrong because that just adds to conspiracy doesn't it <laughs> oh man and also in that game Ned, uh, the Haaland debate Continues. He had 22 touches, only made 11 passes. He had uh, one shot in the second half. Not no shot on target because that was just wide. And people are talking and talking and talking about it. So you, you and I agree. To be fair, yeah. Uh, before we both answer, um, where well, where do we start then? So I think people always seem to know his touches when he doesn't score. That's the yeah, main. Yeah, that's yeah. the that's first point of first point of focus because they couldn't tell how many touches he had in games where he scores two, three, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I guarantee knows. you, it's not many more. No, than no, 22. no. Because that's the nature of how Man City play and how these some of these teams play. Because he's the focal point, so he's the end game. He's not yeah. the part where he just drifts into midfield and does whatever because they don't need him for that. So he's not going to have as many touches as other players. Even if City have a million passes, if they've got the license to be able to play it to him continually. Like, where's the opposition? So I understand why his touches will be lower. I think at times he gets frustrated because maybe they could play him in. But they're just averse to that risk at this moment in time because yeah. they understand the value of possession. But he continues to make the right runs. And on a different day, he probably scores. If he scores, we, we lo and behold, not know how he's many touches he has. He's 32 and 32. So they, they, they can't... It's, it's not enough. But he has to be. No, it's not that enough. debate about like, oh, they may be not as good with him or he needs to adapt. No. Adapt to what? 32 no. goals in 32 games. Like, it, he's there to score goals. So Mares on French television after the game said, he's not here to touch the ball 70 times, which I think he's right. He's yeah. there to score the chances that will be created for him. Yeah. In a game like this one, there's no chances for him. He's frustrated. Clearly, you could see at the end he was frustrated. But, the, okay, your job is to score the chances. That's every striker. Every striker's doing the same. In the first half of that Liverpool game, for the first 20 minutes, Benzema was making some really good runs in behind and they weren't playing it. Do you know what he was? Frustrated. Yeah, of course. That's, that's the role of the number nine. You, you think you make the best run that's ever been seen. Yeah. If you don't receive the ball, yeah, that's a really good are you going to be like, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's okay. But this is, this is the way it's going to go. This is the Haaland mania. Um, Napoli took a big step towards a place in the quarterfinals with a 2-0 victory at Eintracht Frankfurt. 
and it could have been more jewels. Yeah, it could have. Nets, they missed a penalty. They hit the post. Uh, they were they played for eleven with eleven men against ten after the the Colomani red card for for Frankfurt was stupid foul. By the way, I, I hope the kid learns. Mm. Um, but it's just Napoli. I mean, two 0 I think they they're safe and dry. They're gonna go back home and they they were too good for Frankfurt, which we kind of knew before. But still, just watch them, watch them play again. It's just a pleasure. Yeah. The second goal is amazing. The yeah, ball yeah. from Zombo and Gisa to Vaz Kelia, the back heel to Di Lorenzo. Zombo and Gisa, if, you, if you're a Fulham fan, maybe, and yeah, watch him play. Or if you're a Marseille fan <laughs> and saw him play, like, you won't recognize him. He's, he's one of the best right now midfielders in Europe, without a doubt. It's incredible what that team is doing. And I think they're on their way to the quarterfinals. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Four English clubs, zero wins. Why is there a big smile on your face? What's going on here? Yeah. Are you worried? No, I'm not, I'm not worried. I think of the four... Uh, clubs to not win you know we're talking about Spurs yeah. and Milan you're looking at Dortmund and Chelsea yeah. City Leipzig the only issue for me like a big issue is the Liverpool Real Madrid yeah. one yeah. so I wouldn't be surprised if three English teams got through but they obviously still need to perform as well but worry do I look like it's just for all the talk of like oh the Super League already exists is the, is the Premier League friend, and they're too dominant they've got too I'm with you but you know what I mean like, I, I know what you're saying on, yeah. on the surface it doesn't look great but you know there's still time still a yeah, second leg let's not sure. let's not overreact just yet yeah. Inter Milan leave it late to beat Porto at San Siro Jules and the hero mm. is Romelu Lukaku he is and remember on Monday we said that he scored for the first time in like 600 days or something at San Siro now he's got two in two and I thought it was a really good game, to be fair, because Onana and, and Diogo Costa in goal were outstanding. Two, I mean, two incredible saves. One with Costa with his hand like that, and then the double save by Onana in the second half was outrageous, really. And when you thought it was going to be nil-nil, and Porto had uh, Otavio sent off, Lukaku popped up, great header, and then on the rebound, he scores the goal. Good for him as well. I think they will need him mm. to be efficient, to score, to be involved. Even if he started on the bench and Jaco and Lautaro started up front, it's good for Inter to have him yep. with that confidence, you know, and scoring again. Yep. The UK government published on Wednesday night a white paper on the governance of English football and the introduction of an independent regulator. Now, them, the Premier League clubs are not too happy. Do you think this is what football need in this country? I don't know, because who's it, who's it for? Who's the independent regulator for? If the clubs themselves aren't happy, then who's it, is it going to make the game better? And who's it going to be better for, would you say? So that's what they think. They think you would avoid like a Berry, for example. You know, people, a club have to disappear because they were badly run by an owner or you not know, in the right conditions. They want the fans to have a bit more of a voice. So basically, they want to avoid all the negativity that you see surrounding some football clubs in terms of debts going bankrupt, not paying players, you know, the fans not having a say in it, all that kind of thing. I think it's I think in some ways it's good to involve the fans, but then a lot of fans aren't specialists in sort of like football business anyway. Sure. I think fans are very good at football, but these are really big football clubs that run in ways which most of us can't even comprehend. Yeah. So I think to try and lean that way it's great. I think some of it feels like it's fan PR, but in the end I'm sure the desired outcome will come. And if it ends up being something that costs English football, then I don't think the uh, 
don't, don't think it'll be the right decision yeah. as such but we'll see we'll see so Jules we spoke the other day but still no ban for Julian Nagelsmann no. after he confronted the referee Tobias Veltz in the dressing room at the weekend he only received a big fine is he a lucky boy oh lucky boy Nagelsmann I mean some would say some have already said in Germany that you know he was Bayern so he was protected because are you Bayern. some are you some no 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 um, oh you're somebody I mean, else no, no, I mean, I think he should have been banned so from my list again. Okay. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, the guy, I'm... like, smashes the door, goes and insults everybody, and then, like, and I know he was frustrated by it, but you made a really good point. I think you made a good point that the red card happened in the eighth minute. Yeah. Come on, who, or maybe on the FC show. And so, eighth minute, you can be frustrated, your place sent off, yeah, you don't yeah. think it's a red card. But then, what, you're still that angry, really? I know you lost the, the game, result. That's but do you know what I mean? Like yeah. after, like, and what you go mad like that? It's the result. Yeah. Ninety minutes later. I yeah. Mean, oh, the record. I, mean, I can't I mean, take that point because it wasn't mine. Okay. But so yeah. it must have been someone on the show. But uh, yeah, I think he's lucky. Fifty thousand pound, uh, fifty thousand euro fine, which he will have to pay obviously, you know, from his own bank account, which is a lot. It's a heavy fine, but I think he should have been banned. You can't. You can't talk to. How long? How long would you ban him for? Couple of games, one game, maybe just one game. But at least make just just by principle. You can't talk to referee like, whether you're Nagelsmann, uh, the Pope, Neder Monua. I don't hey. care. Like, there's a point where like you have to be punished for. Turns it. out, if you got the money, you can do whatever. You want. <laughs> oh, clearly. So that's Billy Quetta. Had to go to hospital on Saturday during the Southampton game because of a big concussion, if you remember. And good news, he's back home now and, and, and look good. Yeah, very, very, very good news. I think it was alarming to see the way that he went down yeah. and, you know, the collision itself, it wasn't on purpose. It but was the still, overhead kick. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's tough to watch and you really worry for people's safety. You hope that, you know, he's been evaluated correctly and he's had the best care that he can. You hope that he's, like, confident enough to get back out there on the field mm. because we want to see him. But then also imagine the, what the feeling is like when you go out and step out there again. What happens when the ball's up in the air? Does he have the yeah. bravery and confidence to go for headers and all this stuff? I think it's, uh, it's definitely a step in the right direction. Health always matters and hopefully he can get back to doing the job that you know, we assume that he really loves. Yeah. Uh, more scans on Neymar's ankle have revealed ligament damage, Jules. Yeah, that's right. Which is, we mentioned a bit on Monday. That was the fear really in Paris, uh, PSG, that initially they thought there was nothing too serious. And I don't think the ligament damage is too bad, really. Mm. Uh, his, his ankle was really swollen. They had to wait for the to be less swollen before doing the more scans. The Bayern game is in two is in two weeks now, uh, less than two weeks actually, because it will be Wednesday. Uh, and I just don't think he will make it, mm. which is bad. I know I know what you're gonna say because you're looking at me. I know exactly what you're thinking. I don't know what you mean. Like I said, I don't think the three the M and M can play well together at the same time, uh, but. If you can have a fit Neymar, you know, it's who, always who better. Him? I don't know. I think he will go with Mbappe and, and Messi up front and then just strengthen the midfields, especially because Bayern have, you know, really good in midfield. Uh, so you can put, for, for him, I think he will play with a back three, mm. with the two wing backs, and then that enables you, instead of playing 3-4-3, three, three, and maybe that, have that unbalance, you'll have... A, mid, a very strong midfield of five, really, and three with the two wing backs. So you can have Vitinha, Danilo, and Verratti, for example, and you be a bit more. Sounds like that's what you want. Solid. Yeah, that's what I want. If I was the PSG manager. Get, get, get well soon, now. Get well soon. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Ten Hag had dinner with Sir Alex Ferguson the other night in Manchester, and obviously they were seen together, photographed together, as, as you would expect. And Ten Hag said it was really good to feel like supported by, by Sir Alex. He does everything right, Ten Hag, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He's, 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 he's annoying. He's annoying. Like, he's, no, he's annoying. 
annoyingly doing a really good job like a really good job I think he does stuff really well on the field off stuff off yeah. the field understands the club and yeah he's ticking the boxes but it's just funny from a sort of like um, PR standpoint there have been other managers who've likely taken who've likely gone to dinner with Sir Alex Ferguson but if they're not doing well the picture never comes out <laughs> but now that United are doing well yeah, oh, here are these two now sharing oh, a wine together know, the, the past like... and the future whatever exactly. uh, finally Mike Mignon is back in full training yeah! with how long was he out for Jules? a long time a really long time because he got injured with France in the September uh, international break so we thought initially that he would be okay it was a calf injury uh, except that he was not okay uh, he missed the World Cup of course just I with think, a calf injury for that yeah long. it's really weird mm. complications and everything now he's back and maybe at the best time for Milan fighting for that top four place uh, finish in Serie A obviously with the, I would expect him to be okay for the, for the Spurs tie in two weeks time so coming back at the right time yeah. Somehow, someone thought it was a good idea to put on a player by Gary Southgate, sort of penalty process with England and why he like reinventing that team. Nathan, will you go to see it? Well, the question is, after I get my two tickets, will you go with me? <laughs> no chance. <laughs> no thanks. Don't be salty. Don't be salty. <laughs> I, I, read, I read up on this and it's interesting. Uh, I don't know how many people will engage with it, but you know, there's a bigger, there's a bigger, top, bigger topic around this, but now's not the time to talk no. about that. Uh, more great news for French football duels. And for Chelsea, N'Golo Kante is back in full training. Yeah, that's right, Nedem. He was there with the team yesterday. He'd been on his own for a little bit on the pitch before. Back, uh, I think they will take their time just to make sure he's fully ready to be ready to come back after that big uh, hamstring injury. But just to see him on the pitch with everybody else and how much he could bring to that team when fully fit was, mm. was great to see. Absolutely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One of your former clubs, Nadam QPR, have announced the appointment of Gareth Ainsworth as their new manager. Mm. Are you happy? Uh, happy. That, that face is no. No, it's not, it's not like anything against him. It's just the fact that they've had three managers this season already. Yeah. And this is given the fact that they were top of the championship table at the start of October. And they're sinking like a stone. So I think the change happened. And nobody wants change like that, but mm. here's a familiar face for the fans. I think he'll probably try and drive something in with the players. And yeah, he played. He played for. Yeah, Chicago. that that goes along. I think that goes a long way with that fan base. You know, yeah. when things get tough, they want to see something that feels familiar. So, good luck to them. Good luck to him. I think it is a tough job because there's a real mix of like really young players with potential and the idea that they want to go up. So maybe confuse all that together, streamline it, and this season seems like it's gone, but. You know, hopefully, can be in there for still a few quite years. tight, isn't he? In the championship, not where they are not anymore. Where they are. Uh, no, not where, sorry, they, <laughs> sorry, not where they are. You spoke okay. a bit too soon. <laughs> so, Jules, the new MLS season starts on Saturday, Woo! and there are now even more things to be excited oh, with. Yeah, because you know they change a few things. First, there's a new team, there's a new franchise, uh, St. Louis. So there will be 29 teams now, and they've mm. changed a little bit the format. For the playoff, as you know, in American sport, you go through um, the, the playoff. They've extended the format. The format, so you had seven teams in each conference in the, the last few seasons. Now it will be up to nine. Mm -hmm. um, and so you'll have like a wild card playoff, if you want, between the, the teams that finish eighth and ninth to go, uh, to go into the playoff. And then the first round of playoff is as the best of three, which I love. Best, it. So you've you got. say best of three? Yeah, so home game. 
if you win that home game, then you go away. Yeah. If you win the away tie, like you know, you're good. But if the other team, the away team, wins the, their home tie, then you've got a third game. So it's not an aggregate score. No. Really? Yeah. So it's good, isn't it? Do you know what all this is with the MLS? Like they're so because the league's so young, they can create new rules exactly. every single year. It's quite cool, I think, because you know it's cool for that audience. Don't you think you would like it? So like, you know, City beat United right. in the first game, right. United with the second game. There's and then no, there's, you can't bring change into European football and have people accept it. That's the thing, because everyone's so conservative by nature. Yeah, true. Like, I get it. I li true. I've lived over there. I've played it. Yeah. It fits in line with all the other American sports. It's really exciting. But if you talk about, say, a team that finishes ninth, winning everything, that would blow the minds of people yeah, who are over yeah. here. You know what I mean? And... It's cool, like that's America. I like the fact that they try and be creative, make it more entertaining, keep games exciting, make every game feel like it matters. But just like that thing about, you know, the aggregate score doesn't matter. Aggregate scores matter. We had people fighting over away goals like two years ago when that changed. True. So, but it's that like goal difference in your league table. Yeah. Some people said that it should not matter. I I I like it for the for the MLS. Okay. You even try and bring in one change <laughs> to the Premier League or other European leagues, and that's you fall flat on your face. Good luck right? to every team and St. Louis, especially, no, no, of course. Good, no, no, the, good luck uh, to Real Salt Lake. Ah, oh, here we go. There we go. That's the main thing. That's the of main course. thing, my friend. Of course. John Maltzen, the, uh, the, the voice of football, or one of the voices, if you want, of football here in this country, in England, for the last 50 years, passed away today, Nathan. Yeah, he, he did. He just passed away on, on the way into the studio. And it's, uh, it's a very sad day because he unites a lot of people. Yeah, you know, I, think he, I think he did it for 50 years. Yeah. And is the voice of one of the most prominent shows. You're talking about Match of the Day, thinking about Cup Finals. And some of our most vivid memories, whilst being in England, of those Cup Finals feature his voice mm. being there. He's like a... He brings a sense of familiarity to great moments and those moments are the ones why you love the game today. So when somebody like that passes away, you, you can't picture anyone ever filling the void, but you are very, very grateful for the memories that he's left. And that's all across the board. In this day and age, people say, oh, you know, you're biased against my team, biased against that. No, John Watson was John yeah. Watson, you know, an absolutely incredible person. He was incredible with his job and he'll be sorely, sorely missed. Yeah. And Jules, Barcelona, the referee oh. scandal continues, huh? You know what, I think this is one of the biggest scandals in, in European football history, or certainly the last 20 years or so. We've had scandals in Germany with referees, in, in Italy, of course, with the Cacciopoli. And this one, and we know, we learn more things, there's new development every day coming on, on how much money they pay that, who, the guy who was the vice president of the, the, the referees association in Spain. Um, originally for like just to give advice you know for some some reports and actually clearly there was something else in there mm. some sort of lobbying or influence with whatever you want to call it La Liga saying that Javier Tebas saying that Juan Laporta has to go the Barcelona president uh, there's all the other clubs from from La Liga from the you know saying like we need answers now we need to know exactly what happened we need to know why Barca paid that guy so much money and we're talking like seven million euros uh, over all those years, you know, what was it for, really? Mm. Uh, what was it to get? You know, to get advantages from referees? Was it to get yeah. all that kind of stuff? So this is crazy, is really. It, is it one of those things where it's immoral and not illegal, or is it both? Uh, it looks it looks both, to be fair. Okay. You can't pay... You know, you, you, I mean, so after after they stopped working with him in 2018 they they use another former referee to help you know with new decisions for example you know all of that they can come and talk to your players your coaches anything you want i think they paid it something like 25000 uh, euros a year or 50000 euros a year they paid that guy they paid that guy half a million a year it's inflation it's just inflation <laughs> 
cost of living. Yeah, cost of the, cost of <laughs> the cost of refereeing crisis. This is the way it goes. <laughs> oh, my word. I think this is not the last time we hear about this story. Leeds finally have a new manager, Nadam, and it's Javi Garcia, the former Watford coach. Uh, he was not the first choice, as we know, maybe mm. not even second or third, but he's here now. So yeah. will it be good? That, that thing about not being first choice, hopefully it doesn't matter. But, but if he starts losing, we're going to keep throwing it at him. Well, yeah, you know. well, you know, you weren't even supposed to be here anyway. But then what do you do when the guy who you did want would also go through the same problems? True. I think it's, it's obviously a very, very tough job, but the fact is down there, you don't need to be the best, you just need to be better than three other teams. I think that's the mentality. Yeah. And he's, he's not had a long-term sort of like situation with a club for a long time, but he has kept Watford up in the past, got mm. them to the FA Cup final. Yeah. So that's a positive image to have of a manager as he comes to your football club. I believe he'll give it a go, but... I don't know how that's going to finish down there, but no, good luck to him. It's fascinating that. Yeah, yeah that good luck to him, especially as the 10th choice, whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Amancio Amaro, one of Real Madrid legends uh, and the club's honorary president, passed away on Monday, Jules. Yeah, really sad news, Nathan. He was 83 years old. He won nine La Liga titles in the 60s, pretty much, early 70s as well. And he was very much involved with the club. We saw Benzema and the players dedicated dedicating him the win against uh, Liverpool on on Tuesday night as well. So uh, our thoughts obviously with the yep. Real Madrid family and, and Amaro's family too. That's all we have time for today. Nadam, thank you so much nice. for coming again. It was a blast. Uh, Gab will be back on Monday uh, for a big show because you've got the Classic in France, you've got the Madrid derby, you've got Spurs against Chelsea in the Premier League. Big games all around Europe and we will uh, debrief all of that on Monday show. Until then, as Gab always say, love yourself, love your neighbour, love your game or something like that. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash gabjewels now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels.